Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew as an NQT slash ECT with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our thoughts and experiences of what life can be like for a new teacher. Today, I'm talking to Maria Brosnan. Maria is an educational leadership, health and wellbeing specialist. Yes, really specialist. She's worked in wellbeing for over 30 years as a counsellor, coach and business owner. She's the founder of Pursuit Wellbeing and the author of The Pursuit of Sleep. Oh, this is going to be so good for all you stress teachers out there. Maria, thank you for talking to me today. <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. How nice. What a lovely introduction. And I love your animation and enthusiasm. <laughs> Oh, you've got to be enthusiastic. People always said that to me. When I had my last lesson observation as a trainee, my mentor said, children will always love being taught by you, Jeremy. Your attitude in the classroom is fantastic. Just make sure they all learn something. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and that's what I'm still struggling to do, but they always have a good time. That is well-being. That's what we're going to talk about today because it's never been more important. Maria was the one actually who put me onto Twitter. So oh, I've got yeah. to blame her and thank her because <laughs> I read it sometimes and despair. Poor teachers mm. feeling very anxious and going through a hard time and feeling stressed. And really well-being should be top of the list because you can only teach really well when you're very comfortable in yourself. And if you're endlessly feeling stressed, then teaching well is not easy. Is it, Maria? Exactly, exactly. And I always use the word health and well-being because I think well-being mm. has such co different connotations for different people. And so I always like to, to link it with health and that seems to kind of ground it in a bit of meaning that, that we're taking care of ourselves. Yeah, and that's so true, isn't it? It's very much about taking care of yourself and, yeah. and yeah. managing the things that you can manage. Exactly. I was talking to a teacher only yesterday on a Sunday, and this teacher, an ex-head teacher actually, was working with a friend's daughter who was being put under immense pressure by her school for no obvious reason that either of us could work out because we talked mm. through her case study. Mm. And, uh, and it just seemed so unfair. This teacher was working very hard and doing the very best job she could for reasons best known to others, mm. was being put under a lot of pressure. It was ruining her health and her well-being. Mm. So what do you think then? What's at the heart of health and well-being? Well, I think I've got five tips for you, Jeremy. Shall have we? you? Oh, how lovely. We love <laughs> tips because it's nice to have them in a nutshell. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, the first one, and I think specifically talking about NQTs, is good is good enough as an NQT because I have a friend who has a daughter who was an NQT and just was so obsessed with getting everything perfect. And mm. I think perfectionism is the enemy of well-being because this poor young woman was up at ungodly hours and working through ungodly hours and completely sacrificed every other part of her life because she wanted every lesson to be perfect, every, you know, every single thing that she did with her children to be perfect. And I think that that's just not possible. Um, so that's my first tip is to accept that good is good enough as an NQT. Yeah, so true. Right, let's stop because that's enough. 
<laughs> genuinely Thanks, and, Jeremy. See you all. <laughs> yeah, great to see you. If you genuinely and honestly can accept that, then that's the top tip of all, isn't it? Because yeah. when you're working with 30 very different individuals in a class, there's no way you can have perfection. You cannot teach each child perfectly. It's impossible. Exactly. And therefore, what you need to be doing is saying, I'm very clear about what the children are learning. Yeah. And then I'm going to modify and adapt as I work. And I've got to be comfortable with saying, I'm very clear. It's pitched at the right place. Now I can help each child learn something. And something is good enough as well. It doesn't yeah. have to be brilliant learning every lesson, does it? Exactly. And then that becomes more about the children that you're working with rather than about you. And if you place the emphasis where it belongs with, with the learning that's taking place in your classroom, then that just takes quite a lot of the pressure off. Um, and yeah, that and that, that's, leads... that's Sorry, I'd, no, no. We'll, we'll lead on to number two, but that's the point. Take the pressure off. Yeah. Don't keep raising the stakes for yourself. Yeah. Raise the stakes for your children. I was in a school in North London watching some teaching, and in some of the lessons, the teachers were working so much harder than the children. Mm. And I said to them afterwards, I said, uh, you're doing all the work here, it seems to me. Yeah. Do, you think, do, you, do you think you should put more of the work onto the children? I yeah. said, I was really entertained. I really enjoyed being in your class. But crikey, I said, do you do that for six hours every day? Yeah. Or is that just because you knew I was coming round? Because I said, that's exhausting. It's like being in a six-hour-long show, you know, a one-man show. You're going to be performing <laughs> for six hours every day. I said, but actually, I don't want to be unkind, but the children weren't learning much because mm. you were doing so much work and they weren't doing much. So I said, we need to flip that. We need to flip that onto them doing loads of work. And, yes, of course, you're going to be working hard, but you're going to be working hard, making sure they're working hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, sorry, I, I interrupted you, but that was such a good point. Take the pressure off yourself. Yeah, and uh, well, I, I think it, it links neatly with the next point, which is to listen to your mentor when they tell you to rest mm. or to stop. And um, because there's so much to do when you're starting out, there are just so many mountains to climb, so many things to learn that you've just got to accept that you can't get them all perfectly. And, and a lot of the times you might not even get them right. But listen to your mentor when they tell you that um, enough is enough, that what you're doing. Because I remember this friend this that I mentioned in the, the first point, um, she left after her first year because she just mm. couldn't keep up that pace of work. And, and, I, and I spoke to her afterwards and I said, um, what did your mentor say to you? And she said, oh, they were constantly telling me to stop. They were constantly telling oh, really? me, but I just never listened to them. So that's why that's tip number two. Please listen to them because they have been there. They've seen it. They've mm. helped other, um, other young teachers come into the profession and know what it's like. I mean, of course, the first few years are going to be a massive learning curve as mm. you're there. There are so many things to learn and to do and to get right as as you as you master the art of teaching and yeah that's that's the phrase isn't it master the art i was yeah. a computer programmer in a former life mm. after a month i was very competent i'd been on the course i'd learned the language as we were writing in in a month 
I could write in the languages very effectively. Mm. I could solve the problems. Mm. I could analyse what needed to be written. But it wasn't, it wasn't a complex job, mm. whereas teaching is massively complex, isn't yeah. it? And, and yeah. it takes years yeah. to master the art. And the good news is you never do because, <laughs> because you go, don't you, into another classroom and there's a different problem. Yeah. And one that you haven't got a neat solution to, one that you can say, that's the answer. That's what I'll do now. Yeah, I was lecturing last week and uh, the trainees asked me if I'd ever taught a perfect lesson. <laughs> and I said, yes, one. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't know if it was perfect for the pupils, but I knew I couldn't have done it better. And it was a, it was a dance lesson during an Ofsted inspection. And I decided to teach dance because that, this was in the days of five inspectors for five days when you oh had serious gosh. inspections. And I thought, I want to get the first inspection out of the way, the first lesson observation. So uh, I decided to teach dance at nine o'clock on Monday morning. And of course, the inspector <laughs> turned up because it was the only dance lesson planned all week. Probably the only dance lesson we'd taught all year, actually. But um, <laughs> it was, no, it was the final dance lesson in a sequence of four that I'd watched an expert teach the year before to my class and it was based on Romans and Celts in a stylized battle and uh, and I taught this lesson and the children were just so engaged and engrossed in it you know Romans were this sort of robotic military machine and the Celts were wild savage animals and it was it was danced in that way and, and afterwards the inspector said to me she said are you a dance specialist I said you've got to be joking <laughs> I said, I teach dance once a year and you've seen it. Um, and she said, wow, that was remarkable. It was it was just wonderful. I said, yeah, it was brilliant, actually. I said, I'm as shocked as you are. So uh, <laughs> and that's, that's 35 years of teaching, one lesson where I thought I couldn't have done it any better. And I didn't leave that lesson thinking I should have done that, I should have done that, I should have done that, I should have done that. Well, you make a really good point there, actually, because I think, Jeremy, that there's a real value in reflection, obviously, in mm. thinking, OK, what went well, what could have improved. But but the tendency to kind of beat ourselves up and feel like, you, you know, you failed in some way, I think that that's 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 top tip to be <laughs> oh nice we love to be we love we love <laughs> subsections to tips yeah yeah just find a way to reflect without beating yourself up i think that's really important yeah find the good things and make sure yeah. do you, you know have you heard of bill rogers the behavior expert i i feel like i know the name but i i can't yeah, he's, he's, intelligent he's a he's a bit of a guru um, mm. But he's less visible now because he's getting on like me. And he said, here's a white sheet of paper. The good things you're doing are the white bits. Draw a black dot in the middle. The black dot in the middle are the bits you need to focus on now. Notice the difference in size between the white mm. bits and the little black dot. Mm. And that just that's exactly what you've just said, isn't it? Yeah, of course, reflect. Pick up something you want to do better. Yeah. But don't obsess on it and don't beat yourself up because it's not perfect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right, let's move on to point three. Is this three A? Well, let's call it okay, let's call it three A, but there may not be a B or a C. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, well, this is about connecting with others because 
we might be tempted not to see our friends or family during term time. And I've heard this so many times, oh, I don't see my friends in term time. And then I catch up with them in the half term or the holidays. And that's a real mistake because our connections with our friends and family really are the foundations of our well-being. And so you might be thinking, well, that's crazy. I don't have time because I'm up at five and I'm working till midnight. And, mm. you know, please find time to to really spend quality, lovely, happy, joyful time with your friends and family because that will nourish you, that will kind of balance out the challenges and difficulties you might be having at school. And um, it's tempting not to see people and it's tempting not to have too much fun during term time, but I would really invite you to do that. Yeah, you're guaranteed to be unwell, aren't you, if you don't have fun? Yes. You're guaranteed because that's just part of the human condition, isn't it? Exactly. We stay exactly. healthy by having fun. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, I get very nervous when people say that teachers shouldn't have fun in the classroom. Of course oh. they blooming should because they're working with young people and yeah. young people actually need in a six, seven-hour day to have some fun, don't they? And it isn't quite about a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. It isn't yeah. about putting them in in this sort of, let's face it, artificial situation. Mm -hmm. Sit down at a desk, mm. listen to an adult drone on. Mm. Um, I'm I'm not being unkind to all those thousands, many thousands of brilliant <laughs> teachers who don't drone on, but there's certainly enough who drone on. Exactly, um, and this well, there's a lot of research here about how important this is in really fundamental things like regulating our nervous system because when we're stressed we trigger our nervous system in a way that turns on all kinds of functions so it increases our heart rate and it um, makes the blood flow out to our big muscles so we can run we can get away we could fight um, and it does all kinds of other things as well it shuts down our immune system because it's not time it's not time to deal with a little bacterial throat infection if you're in survival mode, you know, mm. looking back to ancestors, our ancestors who might have been running away from a tiger. We have the same physiology when we're stressed. We, we, we trigger these huge responses in our bodies and it affects our digestion. It affects our reproductive and sexual and hormonal systems. Like so much happens when we're stressed. But when we connect with others, it's a really fantastic and natural way to re-regulate, to self-regulate, to uh, and to co-regulate, to help others. So if you're upset about something, just talking it through with somebody mm. or, or not talking, but just being with somebody or just sharing your day or sharing some, some fun or whatever it is, careful of alcohol, but that's another subject. Uh, that could be 3B. <laughs> hey, um, nice. Moderate. I'm going to hold you to this now. You've got to have an A and B for each, <laughs> for each point. Yeah, but but it, so as joyful as it is and as lovely it is to be with other people, it actually does a very important thing in your nervous system and it helps to regulate after you've experienced stress. Yeah, that's true, actually. We, we've had a sort of fairly tragic few weeks in my family. My my wife's mother has died. Mm. And and although she was old, you know, it's it's still traumatic, isn't it, Absolutely. when events like that happen? And And we haven't been sleeping very well. And at three in the morning, my wife says, you awake? And I say, yeah, you, which was a stupid question because she'd already asked me. But yeah. um, and then we have a chat and we we chatted about something to do with her mum. And yeah. uh, and then we went back to sleep. And uh, and it was very cathartic to actually even at three in the morning. 
just have a chat and it makes you feel better doesn't it and it makes the thing you're worrying about seem less worrisome it exactly exactly and especially sharing you know especially going through a a death in a family it's it's huge you know Mm. this your your wife's mother has obviously been a part of both of your lives for a Mm. long time and you know it's not it's not a trivial thing that she that she's died and so to to talk about her and to keep her in your hearts and in your life um it's it's an important and lovely thing to to share together and and that's just what you need to do isn't it in the stresses of teaching so you look at your school day with, with having had and i'm talking to a, a a young teacher at the moment who was who was in the group i trained last year and she's contacted me quite a lot because she's got a mother who's been outrageously unreasonable and mm. putting her under massive pressure um, and so she regularly talks to me and just says, have you got any advice? I've got to see her today. What shall mm. I do if she says this? What shall I do if she says that? And I had a message from her yesterday and she just said, thanks so much. Uh, it just helps so much being able to talk to someone yeah. who's who's had all these experiences before. Exactly. And it makes it much less personal. I don't feel she's getting at me so much. Mm. There's obviously an issue that she has in her life and it's and I'm copying it, really. I'm getting the blame because mm. she doesn't know where else to put her anger. She said, because yeah. everything she says isn't true and I can't find any reason for what she says and it doesn't match what happens in school. And I said, you know, broken record, just keep telling her the things that happen in school and just say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, for your concern, but this is what I see in school. And if we talk to your daughter, she'll say, this is what we do in school, so... Mm-hmm. come back anytime you know even though she doesn't want to see her but come yeah. back anytime and I'll talk to you again yeah but then she can relay her anxieties as a teacher through me and yeah. uh and, yeah. and then that makes it easier doesn't it it's exactly what you've just said it does and it can often feel surprisingly lonely in schools I I mostly mm. work with senior leaders and head teachers and um, but I imagine it's the same for NQTs in some way that you're there in your room and you shut your door or leave it open, but you're there with your children or young people or before or after school preparing lessons or doing marking, whatever you need to do. You spend a lot of time in your own company or the company of your of your children and students. And um, to be able to have a good conversation with somebody else just to to make it feel like you're not you're not on your own, you know, of course, there's another 100,000 teachers in your, you know, doing what you're doing. So just to connect with others is a really important part of teaching. Yeah. Teachers, you're not alone. You're never alone. There's always someone to talk to. Please yeah. do. Yes, yes. Right. Which leads neatly to, well, not so neatly, but kind of neatly to point number four, which is small everyday choices matter. And so what I mean by that, because my, I, I call my company Pursuit Wellbeing, and because I think our health and well-being is something that requires our attention every day, it's mm. something to pursue, you know, it's something mm. to give your attention to. And so it's small, everyday choices. You know, do you go for a walk after school, you know, especially as the days are getting lighter? Do you go for a little, even just a short 10-minute, 15-minute walk, or do you scroll on your phone? You know, do you choose an apple or some fruit or some a healthy snack or chocolate? And you know, 
I love chocolate as much as the next person, but just some small choices we make throughout the day. Okay, instead of having chocolate now, I'll have some fruit or whatever, something, uh, and make a healthier choice. Those small healthy choices have a big impact over time. You know, every every time you make the choice to just get a little bit of exercise in or to have an early night and to really prioritize sleep and really take care of yourself, all of those small choices you make for yourself, for your well-being, for your own health and your own self-care really have a massive impact because so many teachers I know and leaders kind of feel like they really grit through, like it's it's really tough, you know, you hang on. And by the end of terms, like you're counting down the hours mm. until, until the holiday. And and then it's it's, it's a big crash and, and you wonder why you get sick or you need to just sleep for a couple of days because you're mm. so exhausted. It's these small choices that you make every day that will kind of, mitigate against that real kind of roller coaster that most educators experience so take time every day just take to take care of yourself these tiny little choices all throughout your day yeah that's such a good idea and the idea of you know do I just go for a little walk after school I know after school what I used to do all the time I used to go to the staff room get a cup of tea then walk around school and find someone to talk to Mm. because it was just a great way of going ah yeah. the end of the day yeah and uh and I was lucky enough very lucky to drive with two experienced colleagues my school was 15 miles away and and three of us lived in the same town and so we used to pick each other up taking it in turns and oh that was I was so lucky to have that because all that pent-up emotion you could just mm-hmm. get rid of sitting in the car with people mm-hmm. you trusted and liked and enjoyed their company and uh yeah. And it was just so easy then. And I didn't have to make any choices. But um, but but what you said, my next school I went to, I could cycle to it. And uh, and cycling to it made such a difference because mm-hmm. I didn't have the people to speak to at the end of the day. But I just got on my bike and spent mm-hmm. 10 minutes cycling home. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was a, that was a great release. Just mm-hmm. going on my bike. You have to actively think them, don't you? You do. And, and just a little tiny bit of preparation will go a really long way. And, and I like that idea that kind of that time between work and home. And often, you know, I know that people will often do some work in the evening or the, the afternoon when you get home. But having just that little kind of break between school and home makes a huge difference. And for people that don't have, you know, you might have caring responsibilities at home, you might have parents that you're taking care of or children or other people so you might going home might not for for some people be as a completely restful experience so if that's the case for you and you and you do drive I often suggest that you pull up in the street next to yours or stop somewhere on the way home just to have that just a little bit of a breather Mm. just to to stop if if you know that your evening is going to be pretty hectic at home then just carve out a few minutes and I have some little meditations and I'm really happy to share them actually with you Jeremy oh that'd be great yeah just little three minutes that you can download onto your phone and have that little grounding quiet time just for yourself just for a few minutes a day and it's so good for you it just regulates your system and it prepares you just a bit of a gear shift from work to home and, and and I think it's so useful to have something yeah like you say prepared because I used to read things, you know, which said, just just take some time for yourself. 
yeah and rest your brain and all that sort of thing but my brain was whizzing so fast that I couldn't actually slow it down enough exactly. to feel restful but if you've got a meditation like your three minute meditations yeah then actually it sort of takes away then instead of feeling bad that I haven't done that very well which adds to my feeling of exactly. not being very good <laughs> yeah. I can say I've done the three minute meditation yeah that's a great idea that really is so so yeah. yes we'll put that on the end of the blog yes um, good. and everyone do them every day this because... this wasn't meant to be to promote Maria's company but no. I, I met Maria at a conference once where I was speaking and she was speaking and we sat and had lunch oh blimey man she's so relaxing to sit with <laughs> So, so having three minutes of Maria every day in your car sounds just perfect to me because uh, you're just at the end, you'll go, ah, I feel a bit better now. Yeah. Which, of course, exactly. is the point of it, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And I think really just understanding that it's our nervous system. Like when we're stressed, our nervous system is activated. And the more we can do to just gently regulate that, it's, it's like, imagine if you have a cork in your hand and you hold it underwater. So imagine, I don't know, picture that yourself standing in the sea or something, I don't know, and you've got a cork in your hand and you hold it under. It takes some effort to hold that cork under the water, mm. right, and especially if it's any length of time. If you just let that go, it would just pop up to the surface, right? And I love that visual. Just, just let it go. It's all right, you know, and... Mm. We can do the same for ourselves. Just let go of that, those worries and tensions. And and I don't mean to sound glib at all, but because of course they're very real and they mm. feel very real to us. But when we can just say it's all right, and we can kind of self-soothe a little bit and be kind and compassionate to ourselves, just let those worries go a little bit. It's like the little cork will just bob to the surface, and we just naturally feel a bit better. Yeah. No, that's such a good thought. Such a good thought. Mm. Right then, number, number five. five. Number five, this might be a little bit controversial. Um, I was, I was. I've doing never heard you being controversial. I know you're forthright and 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 a free speaker, but I've never heard you being controversial. So I'm looking well, forward maybe, to this one. Maybe I'm kind of over egging that little pudding, but um, I, I want to say that your well-being is your responsibility. And the reason I think this is controversial is that I was doing some training with the school, with the whole staff, and um, and the head teacher said, um, let's just call the staff member Mary. Um, Mary, whose responsibility do you think your well-being is? And immediately I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> this feels like a minefield. And Mary said, well, obviously it's the school's responsibility because I feel good at home and I don't feel good when I'm here. Therefore, oh, ergo, yeah. it's your responsibility. And I was like ooh, what a weird dynamic to kind of throw Mary under the bus in mm. front of everybody else. I just thought that was a strange dynamic. But I do think that it's our individual responsibility. Of course, there's, there's different layers of responsibility because the school does have a duty of care. The whole education system has got a responsibility and there's policies and there's all kinds of factors involved in it. But ultimately... You have a responsibility to yourself because your well-being and your health and your beautiful body is so precious. Mm. Who else would you give that gift to? Like, who else could do it as well as you can? Nobody. Nobody can take care of you as well as you can. So please take the responsibility for your health and well-being 
and I was going to say seriously, but not seriously. It could be joyfully. It could be, you know, but it's your well-being is your responsibility. Yeah. I once I once worked for a wonderful head teacher called Val White. And uh, and I was whinging about something one day and she was the most nurturing, supportive person, as well as being a, an utter inspiration to work for. And uh, And she said to me once, she said, oh, you seem a bit, bit miserable or fed up can't remember her exact words mm. i said oh i know i know i said god this is a this is a prof this is a this is this is this is this is mm. and she said to me she said who do you think's responsible for your happiness mm. and i said uh oh i don't know i said i've never thought about it she said well have a think now then who's responsible for your happiness <laughs> i said well i guess it's me isn't it and she said, exactly. So do you want to build those problems up into much bigger problems? Or do you want to be confident? She said, you're very skilled. Do you want to be confident that you can sort them out? Yeah. And exactly. and deal with them? And she said, yeah. and and this was the time around uh, Margaret Thatcher was in power and uh, there was all those unrest, <laughs> in, <laughs> unrest in society. And, and we were both very socially minded not socialists but you know we cared about people and and that's why we were teachers of course and and good teachers and uh and she said can you control that i said no she said so don't beat yourself up over it exactly. she said it's frustrating when when it appears that our leaders do things that harm the people it's frustrating but you can't resolve that so mm-hmm. don't don't get steamed up over it and don't blame yourself for it because there's nothing you can do about that. But these other things you can do something about, you're in charge of your own happiness and uh, be confident in your ability to sort out the things that you are responsible for. Exactly. Wow, what a good bit of advice. That transformed me. Yeah. That, that yeah, really yeah, did yeah. in a moment. Yeah. And I thought, what a great way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I'm no longer going to sort of hunt around looking for other people to blame because it's yeah. in my hands exactly that's beautiful oh. yeah yeah no it was a great thought and i've never forgotten it val yeah. if you're listening val i'm gonna send you this because mm. uh i want you to know how much i thought of you yeah yeah and i want to just kind of oh i had i do have 5b um do you i do yeah so if you don't get the basics right then who will? So this is what I consider to be the basics, really. So the basics for your health and well-being. And I have yeah. a little acronym for it, which is MENDS, M-E-N-D-S. Oh, nice. What a good one. So that's, I know, yeah, thanks. It's, I, I have to, I can't take credit for it, but I can't on the spur of the moment accurately say who I'm quoting. But anyway, it's a nice little acronym for mindfulness. So to do some kind of mindfulness practice, so that little three-minute mm-hmm. um, guided meditation that I'll share with you, or some kind of very short practice just to bring yourself into, like, the present moment, which obviously is the only moment that we ever fully have control over or agency over. So mindfulness, exercise, so make sure you're moving your body every day, and for all kinds of reasons. But one really important reason is that if you're stressed, if you experience stress through the day, you produce a lot of hormones of of adrenaline, of cortisol. And apparently there's 13 other, sorry, 1300 other chemical hormonal reactions that happen in your body all throughout the day to help you manage 
all of the ups and downs of life, but especially stress. So one of the most helpful ways to move those through your body, through your system really effectively is moving your body. If you look at animals in the wild, you know, if you see ducks in the park, I noticed them the other day, have a little kind of spat, you know, they have yeah. a little spat, then they shake, right? They shake, they move that adrenaline out of their system and settle down very quickly. We often can't shake our bodies if we've had a difficult staff meeting or if a child is kicked off in their classroom, we can't kind of shake it off. But moving our bodies is the equivalent. So some kind of exercise throughout the day, move your body. Um, the N is for nature, spending time in nature when you can. And so you might be working in a very urban school where there's hardly any nature at all, but you'll probably find a tree or even having a pot plant or some flowers mm. or something on your desk, but get out into nature in, on the weekends when you can, because it's so balancing and so grounding and nurturing. So get out into nature. D is for diet. So as much as you can, just I'm not going to go into any detail there, but you know what a healthy, balanced diet is like. No, I do. It's it's interesting because since mother-in-law has died, my wife and I have been eating comfort foods, mm -hmm. cakes, yeah. chocolates, biscuits, yeah. buns, and, yeah. and both of us don't feel particularly good for it. Yeah. But uh, But having said that, we know it's a little transient phase and then we'll yeah. soon be back to the apples and the melons and the yeah. bananas and the... Yeah, yeah. And recognising it is, is you know, more than half the, half the battle because mm. if you're just doing it kind of unconsciously and, you know, binging on stuff without even really being aware of it, that's difficult. But when you, when you are aware and when you're aware of why you're mm. comfort eating... Um, that will help so just and, and and one little top tip i would say for people is to make enough dinner the night before to take a lunch box if you don't to take mm. a packed lunch with you to make sure that you have healthy snacks in your in your drawer or in your handbag or whatever it is just to make sure that you have what you want to eat mm. to hand and finally just sleep so just please prioritize sleep it's one of the most healing things you can do for yourself um and you know, all of these things are nice, right? They're all pleasant. Oh things no, that's to do. right. They are. Yeah. yeah. Anyone so that would, would be... want to do them. Yeah. So did you see most... that research? Did you see that there was some research published last week that uh, if if you don't have good sleep, it's now thought to be one of the precursors to Alzheimer's. Yeah. Because yeah. you get out of your circadian rhythm, and uh, and therefore the brain doesn't clear some of the proteins that it needs exactly. to clear. Exactly. And it said just what you've said, prioritize your sleep. Yeah. Yeah. We and think we can get by with, you know, I know people that sleep and get by with five or six hours sleep. It's just not enough. Seven, mm. eight, nine hours sleep, and you will feel so much better for it. So I'm gonna plug your book here again then, The Pursuit oh, of Sleep. Yeah. Thank you. Maria's written this great book. And uh, and if you do find sleep difficult, then uh, get hold of the book because it's so important for your mental health and for your well-being yeah. and for your health generally. Yes. Good. Well, they're my five and a bit top tips for you all today. I hope you found that helpful, Jeremy. Oh, and, it's and been marvellous, marvellous. Just when you were talking about mindfulness and talking about the moment, you reminded me of a Mother Teresa quote. Ooh. Yeah, so you and Mother <laughs> Teresa, you speak in the same voice. And she said... Be <laughs> And I think this quote, I think it's I'm close enough to it. Be happy in the moment. That's enough. Each yeah. moment is all we need, not more. 
Well, beautiful. And that's all we've got. I'm reading exactly. a beautiful book at the moment called, I think it's 4,000 Weeks, something like that. Um, and I would highly recommend it because that's a kind of average lifespan is 4,000 weeks. It's not that Exactly, many. not much. And so, so enjoy each one. Enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy this moment. It's the only moment we know for sure that we've got. Yeah. So bring it oh, all What back a great place to finish. Yeah. That is, Maria, thank you so much. It's been, I knew it would be wonderfully inspiring and it has been. And oh, so informative you. too. And Terrific. I'm going to go and practice those five things now. Um, so what now, you listeners out there? Is there something that Maria has said that resonates with you? I do hope so. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll keep you updated on what's to come and more on Twitter at WhatNQT. I look forward to being with you next time for another thought-provoking chat. Until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an NQT slash ECT.